This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold Two Tattoo Studios. The studio is owned and operated by Brian Bell, who is just a fantastic artist and tattooist. The studio will be open in Hamilton in the coming weeks. So if you are at all interested in getting any artwork done or going ahead with a tattoo, please check out uh, Brian's work on Instagram and social media. So please search for Hold Two Tattoo Studios. Hey, you're, there we are. <laughs> uh, what I'll do is, uh, well, first thing I'll do is thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, no bother. We're, we're still a really new podcast, but we, we kind of, we've called the podcast the Marshall Focus Podcast, and we, and we have started uh, really sort of interviewing and, and talking with martial artists, but then the focus bit was... Uh, because I wanted to concentrate on things like uh, mindfulness and yoga and, and mental health, which we've talked about a lot. Uh, and But your story and Cole's story, for the minute that I, I had the idea of having, having a podcast, I thought, this is somebody that I want to talk about and a subject I want to talk about. Uh, and really just give you another platform because it's something that... I, I'm I'm thinking to myself, how how stupid a thing to say is it's something I believe in. And of course, this is about I can't get my head around, and I'll I'll pass over to you in a wee second, but I kinda get my head around uh how you can do anything but <clears throat> believe in try to make sure your kids are safe and well. That that's the bit that, that I'm sure you're gonna give me all the info on. <laughs> I'm thinking what what a ridiculous thing to say in the first instance, but you're going to tell us hopefully a story about how how hard that's that's been for you and, and how there, there is light at the end of the tunnel hopefully somewhere d- down the road so uh, right if there's light if there's light i've not seen it yet <laughs> the light is that cole's better that's the light um the as far as getting success with um people that have got complete tunnel vision um i haven't managed that yet so um yeah, I have um, a almost eight-year-old. He'll be eight on Sunday. Um, he was he took his first seizure in my arms at three months old. Um, very quickly, he was diagnosed within the first month of um, his first seizure as having focal epilepsy because they initially thought Cole had a thing called West syndrome, which affects all of your brain. Um, so he was uh, put in for a MRI scan really quickly and he was then put on steroids a really strong course of steroids the seizures stopped um, for two weeks and then as they started weaning him off the steroids the seizures came back so he originally had a thing called infantile spasms where both his arms came up at the same time his eyes widened like um, he'd get a fright Um, and as you know at three months old their vision isn't that great so he was lying in my arms taking a bottle underneath the belly window in the kitchen and it was as if something had flew in his um, vision and gave him a fright. Um, his dad came home that day from football training and I said to his dad, he did this really strange thing, but 
um, David knowing me and the type of mum I am said, oh, you've got the boys wrapped up in cotton wool. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a great wee boy, you know. And I was like, right, okay, okay. I've always just imagined it. And then the next day we were at dinner for his mum and dad and they had this great big TV in the living room um, and Cole's lying on the floor and he wasn't facing the TV, he was facing the other way, which had nothing there and did exactly the same thing. Um, and by the following day, he was doing it one after the other. So because both his arms were coming up, that's why they thought both sides of the brain was affected. Uh -huh. um, and he was, we went to the GP, thankfully I'd filmed it with David's phone, okay. um, his first like infantile spasm. And um, we went to the doctor, he had everything checked and everything came back clear. So we were, we then showed the GP um, his video and he was like, mm, okay, leave it with me. It went away, made a phone call to Wishaw and we were sent straight to Wishaw General where he had an infantile spasm in front of one of the nurses there. And then we seen a paediatric consultant there and she said she suspected West Syndrome and wanted us to take him straight to Glasgow Children's Hospital mm -hmm. um, for tests. Um, they sat down at that point and told David and I that his best case scenario would be that he would be um, probably paralysed, disabled, um, not have any great quality of life. And the worst case scenario was that he wouldn't live till he was five. Um, and as you can imagine, we were absolutely devastated. And I'd went from the route on the way to the hospital thinking, please God, don't let him have epilepsy, yeah. to kind of going, if it's, please just let him have epilepsy. Because at that time, I didn't really know anything about epilepsy. I had no experience in it. Um, but the alternative West syndrome was just so terrifying. The thought that we this wee baby that we thought was healthy for three months and all of a sudden the chances where we could be losing him within the first few years of his life so um they did the test we had to wait a couple of weeks and when the result came back um they said he doesn't have waste syndrome which was great news mm -hmm. however he does have focal epilepsy which was caused by he's got damaged tissue on the left side of his brain and his temporal lobe which is called cortical dysplasia mm -hmm. um that damaged tissue is what was sending the signals to his brain and that's what's causing him to have seizures. Um, focal seizures are just from one part of the brain. It affects Cole um, visually. Um, he has different types of seizures. He has um, drop seizures very rarely because since he's been better, he's not had them. And he's only ever had drop seizures at his worst. Um, most of Cole's seizures are through the night. Um, he doesn't do your typical convulsing. Um, which you see on all the TV programmes. I wish they would show other seizures instead yep. of just the one type, because there is quite a few. Um, and he has um, seizures where he looks like he's just zoning out. He looks like he's just bored and he's, he's not there. And you can kind of go, cool. And, and if he doesn't react, you know that he's, he's, he's in a seizure. So he has different types. Um, and from the minute um, his steroids were reduced, that's when the, the focal seizure started. And never really went away. We had one period of time the year before surgery where he had 21 days seizure free and we thought that was it, we'd found the medicine and right. then they came back and I'd put a hold on surgery and then they came back. So in the January, unfortunately, we had to start again. And then the following year he had surgery. Um, this, but this time he tried nine different medications and he was now two and a half. He turned two in the July and this was in the November. Um, and they decided that Cole was drug resistant. 
so he is um, normal pharmaceutical drugs don't work for coal or they work for a short term and then they get his body rejects them so they knew after I think they said they usually try about four but with coal they tried nine so they knew definitely that he was drug resistant and it just wasn't working for him some people can go on can have epilepsy and they can go on a first drug or a second drug and boom they're seizure free and that's it you know and it's it's controlled but Coles was was uncontrolled so he um had brain surgery on um the 26th of november 2014 um in edinburgh and he had what's called a lesionectomy which is part of his left temporal lobe um kind of two centimeters squared um removed from his brain um, and actually, while he was on the operating table, um, he took a seizure and it showed them on the systems they were using the exact area where the seizure came from. Mm-hmm. So they, they actually said to me after it, you know, it couldn't have been any better. It was like somebody was looking down and saying, no, that's that's where it is. That's the bit you need to take away. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were really positive afterwards. Um, Cole healed quite quickly. Um, he had um, a week in Edinburgh Sick Kids and then... Um, we got him home and he was seizure free for six months. Um, and then unfortunately seizures came back. We only had a couple the first year, which was 2015. And then by 2016, they were back and that was then back. And we were back to trying all different medicines two at a time. Three. Those first couple of years, how many, how many seizures was Cole having like a day or every couple of days or? Well, it just depended. Sometimes we would get him on a medicine and he would be seizure free for like a couple of days and then he would have one every couple of days. Then when the medicine started wearing off, he would have a few a day, mostly through the night. He would have maybe two or three through the night, every night. And then we would get him on a new med and we would have to wean him off one to add in another. And obviously when your child's been on these kinds of drugs, they have um, what's called withdrawal symptoms coming off them. Um, so these seiz- a lot of the pharmaceutical drugs, believe it or not, that describe for seizures cause seizures. If you give them too high a dose, they cause seizures. If you give them too less a dose, they cause seizures. If you take them off it too quickly, it causes seizures. Sometimes interact with other drugs, causes seizures. So um, it, it's it's terrifying because you've, you've not only got to worry about the seizures that are coming from his epilepsy, but you don't know whether it's the medicine that's causing it or the epilepsy. You then don't know if the way he's behaving is because of his epilepsy or if it's just him, or if it's the side effects of the pharmaceutical drugs. So everything's a kind of guess and not knowing what is. So, so I, I was, when we were trying to log on to the podcast there, uh, I'd went into the messages uh, that we'd been sort of sending and uh, just came back, kind of just flicking through the messages. It got to one where I'd messaged you a few months back and the wee guy, Cole, had, he'd, he'd had a temperature. Uh, and I'm just, th- I think this is why, it's one of the reasons why this story kind of hit me so hard because between myself and my wife, Tracy, she's she's the one that copes. And again, the worst, the very, very worst thing that's happened to our wee boy, who's the same, he's just turned eight as well. He's very similar ages to Cole, is he's had a, a cold and a temperature. I mean, right. thank God for that. But yeah. I'm the one that can't cope with that. I'm like, oh my God, he's got a temperature. <laughs> uh, and, and, and do you know, it's, 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 it's absolute nothing. And it's, it's all the things that every kid has. Uh, and I know I'm, I'm up to high dough. So when I'm thinking about you and, and just where, where we're 
where you're trying to get to and just what you're going through to try and get there. That's why I was like, I need to speak to this. this lady. I, I, need to, I need to speak to you because I can't cope with a bloody temperature with a wee guy. Never mind, never mind this. So. Uh, temperatures scare me, believe me, because temperatures cause seizures. And so if Cole gets a temperature, it's like high alert. Um, so I, I get you. But I think it's, I always say to everyone, there's so many people that will say, oh, Lisa, I hate moaning to you because that's nothing compared to what you guys go through. But as a parent, your child, or at least it should be, is the most important person in your life. My boys are it for me. They're my world. Um, so every individual has the same love and care and worry for their children, no matter how sick they are or not. It's just they're your babies and you're going to look after them no matter what. So, so uh, Cole was two and a half, did you say, when he had... The brain surgery. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, again, I'm. I'm there's going to be times when I'm going to interrupt you, but I really, I Sorry. really don't want to. So, but back, back over to you. So, if we pick the story up. Yeah. So, so um, his seizures came back, um, and then we really spent probably about a year and a half just kind of treading water trying different medicines, different combinations. We would maybe, the ideal combination is having two different pharmaceutical drugs. That's what they recommend. Um, sometimes Cole would be on three, sometimes he'd be on four. He'd be on four while they were weaning one away, and then they would be on three, and he would have to be on that for a certain length of time before they would be able to wean another one away, because we didn't know what was working and what was stopping working, because at one point he was on so many. Um, and we kind of did that for a good year and a half and then 2018 is when everything really changed so that's when things got quite serious his, his seizures came back really bad um david and i had that's his dad had to go and speak to the consultant and we kind of said to him you know there must be another alternative because we're just playing guessing games it's okay let's try this drug we've not tried this one let's try that but this time we've tried now he's tried 20 but before I think around about that time we were at 14 or 15 we'd also tried a good three or four unlicensed drugs at that point right. um, and that's the, the big stickler for me it's because they at that point I didn't really know what an unlicensed drug is you know it's it's drugs that haven't been fully approved for use in children or use for that particular illness um, but are they still available on the NHS, but just haven't yes. through the system yet? Right, okay. Yeah, so okay. so they're, they're, they are available. And what it is, is it comes down to the individual consultant or doctor. If they are prepared to put their name to it, the right. risk is theirs. It's not the NHS. So it's that doctor that decides. Um, but they are allowed to prescribe unlicensed medications. Um, and as I said, Coles had quite a few. So... Um, we, we tried all sorts, nothing was working. Um, my big thing is I um, did a lot of fundraising years ago. Um, it started when Dylan, my oldest, um, he, he was only a couple of months old. He's going to be 11 this year. And um, my cousin's daughter has cerebral palsy. Um, and she discovered through a program on TV that there was a surgery available in America right. that they would do on the nerve endings of the brain. And that would help. Um, the child to be able to walk unaided and be more flat-footed yeah, okay. um, and she kind of fought to get um, Jade over to America to have this surgery and at the time the hospitals and everybody were against her they were saying don't do it don't do it we don't know enough about it 
you don't know what the, the, you know this could could kill her um, just all sorts of terrifying things and I remember at the time saying to Pauline oh my goodness I don't know how you're brave enough to go against the the you know the experts the medical experts if, if they sat me in a room and there was six of them around a table and they were saying are you really sure you want to do this I don't know that I'd be brave enough to do it and we had to fundraise and for me it was such an eye-opener because she was brave enough she she you know we fundraised like mad we had to get I think we had to get 40,000 in six months to get her because it was only a short time slot she would be available for the surgery um and and she came back and she was like a different child you know and the doctors and um consultants that had said don't do it don't do it all were like wow this is incredible and now actually flew over to see how this surgery was done and now do, they now perform it in the UK okay. so it was it was huge um but I remember at the time thinking this was my calling I wanted to raise money for families whose children needed something that wasn't available in the UK um because I couldn't imagine my I only had Dylan at the time but my child needing something and it being about money yeah. Um, and this was before coal was even thought of. This was <laughs> long before coal was born. Um, so, you know, that was what we did. Um, Pauline and I did a lot of fundraisers for other families that needed the same surgery before it was available in the UK. Um, I then went on to fundraise for a wee boy that needed surgery in America who also had epilepsy. So it, that was my thing was I knew the, that as much as your NHS is amazing, Yep. There is other things out there. There's other countries that are more advanced in certain um, areas of medicine, and that's yep. just the way it is. So yep. I took to social media, I think it was June 2018, May or June 2018, and I, I, I put a post out, and it said, um, we've, we've run out of options for coal. They've said to us, that's it now. There's no, there's no good options. We either try all the medicines we've already tried and hope that they have a different effect because he's post-surgery, or we send Cole for a second brain surgery. And if we send them for a second brain surgery, the, the, the um, chances of him coming out as he went in were very slim. Um, you know, there was a higher risk of death. There was um, a chance that when they went in there, the damage was going to be much more than what they had imagined. And if that was the case, they would have to separate the left from the right hand side of the brain. And that's what they believe is, is going on with Cole's brain is that the area they originally took away was just the tip of the cone and right. that the damage goes deep rooted into his brain. Okay. So they were saying if that was the case, they would have to separate the left and the right, which would leave Cole partially sighted and paralyzed for the rest of his life in a wheelchair. So at that point, I thought, right, there has to be something else. So I took to social media and, and everybody came back. I think there was about 20 comments on the post and every one of them said cannabis oil. Right. And I was, I was very, I had tunnel vision to ca cannabis oil, I'm not going to lie. I'd been a police officer for 10 years. Um, I left the force when Cole was one um, because they weren't very supportive um, with Cole's illness and doing shifts and stuff. You know, their attitude was, you've signed up for a 30 year career. First and foremost, you're a police officer. You know, you, you made a commitment to us and we can't keep you secure in an office. Um, so I left because first and foremost, I'm a mum and that's it. Yeah. So um, I um, had, you know, went round um, the, the kind of thought process of, 
cannabis is this terrible drug. It was, you know, it's illegal for a reason. I had spent time as a police officer taking people to psychiatric units who were struggling with psychosis, who were withdrawn, paranoid. Um, I had this um, opinion it was a gateway drug to so much more. Um, that it damaged your brain cells, you know, all this stuff that a lot of people believe but has nothing to actually back it up. Um, so when everyone kept saying it, Cole was on a drug at this time called Clobazam. And at this time they were trialing a, a cannabis-based medicine, which was called Epidiolex. Um, at that time it was unlicensed, it's now licensed. Um, Epidiolex is a CBD isolate, which means it's only got the CBD part of the plant. Yep. The drug that Cole's on has all the areas of the plant. So I, I kind of say, if you look at it as like this phenomenal multivitamin, and a CBD is like a vitamin C. It's just one wee part of it. And you need all of it. You need the whole multivitamin for it to work. It's wonders. And that's just the way it is. And you take higher bits of this and lower bits of this to make it work for separate things. But that's science. So um, what Cole needs was a high CBD and a low THC. Um, so I was fighting. And at that time, I didn't really know. I knew that I wanted to try cannabis after I checked it out and kind of done my research more from an angle of I was trying to prove that what I thought was right. And every time I kept trying to find the information that said it was this terrible drug and you know it caused all these illnesses, I couldn't find anything. Anything that I could find was written by pharmaceutical companies that didn't want cannabis to be out there. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. So um the more I I, I kind of got deeper into it, the more I was finding these amazing families that were fighting for their children for the same thing as me um, and so many kids that had drug resistant uncontrolled epilepsy from babies all the way up to, to teenagers you know and I, I read stories on you know the, the stories that, that probably most people have read um, Hannah Deacon's probably one of the most um, kind of out there um, for her wee boy Alfie who's one of the only kids that's got a NHS prescription right. um, and um, Sophia Gibson's parents, Danielle and Darren, um, they're the other family that have got an NHS prescription. And, you know, I, I read up their stories and I was just flabbergasted that they'd had to move abroad to Holland and had these amazing results and then had negative results when they took their children off it yep. and then had to go back on it again. And it was just like, if that's happened more than once, surely that's enough evidence. Um, so yeah, the, the deeper I get in, the deeper, I, I, the more people I found, the more stories I heard. Um, Callie Blackwell is another one. Um, her son had cancer um, and was actually um, in a hospice preparing for his funeral. He decided he planned his own funeral yeah. and um, he started on cannabis oil and he's still here, which was, I think that was five or six years ago, maybe longer. Um, but Callie, Callie, like me, had documented everything on a Facebook page in real time. Yep. And I've always done that with Cole, even before this. I've done this since he was months old. Um, so you can go back to, to Darren's book, his page on Facebook and you can see the stories as they're happening. You know, she writes about, um, we went into um, the room where once he passes away, he'll be laid to rest. And, you know, it was cold and it was this. And, 
and it gave me chills and and you know that way I had to keep flicking back because I was going is this wee boy still alive like I kept seeing all these stories going that can't be right because that surely in, in itself is enough evidence yeah. so he's still here he has traveled the world telling his story and yet we're still fighting to get it legalized it's crazy um so yeah I was kind of like where you are and I'm still there I'm still at that stage where it's like if someone else was telling me this story, I would say, there has to be more to it. This can't be right. They can't be allowing these kids to suffer when there's something out there that was given by Mother Nature that's a plant that has no side effects that, that, that they would rather give brain surgery or pharmaceutical drugs to that have massive side effects. It can't be right. But unfortunately, it is. And it there's opens so, my eyes. There's so much... What, what you're fighting against is... What you're fighting against isn't just politics and uh, laws and stuff. You're fighting against a perception that's been given to people for decades after decades after decades. And yeah. you're one of the one of the and again, what what I'm, what I, I what I don't want to get into is uh, and again you mentioned it yourself. There's this fear about is it a gateway drug? Is it this? Is it that? We're not talking about that. We're talking about yeah. The cannabis plant and its and its effects forward slash benefits. Yeah. Now you say that to somebody, and straight away the majority of people have this just ingrained perception that that's wrong and it's bad because they've been told it's wrong and it's bad. But you can go and get legless drunk every weekend <laughs> with alcohol, which is also a drug. Yep. And it's cool, and it's fine, yeah. because yeah. somebody else told them that that was okay, or it was good, and it was fine, and it was and it was legal. Mm -hmm. But with cannabis, it's well, no, it's bad, and, and that's the end of it. You're, yeah, you're fighting against hopefully numbers that are going down, but there must be still a huge amount of people that are like, oh, I can't. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm my, my usual war cry being devil's advocate, but there'll be people saying. And I can't believe they'd be saying this, but there will be people saying, "What a mother! She's giving her kids drugs, blah blah blah." And you say, "Well, you, we all yep. give our children pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah, we all give. I mean, I mean people. I, I don't actually care if people think that I'm being ridiculous here, but cowpaw's a drug. Yeah, paracetamol is an adult would take as a drug. Aspirin's yep. a drug. Yeah, but we've got this preconceived idea that this drug." Which I would debate whether cannabis should actually be classed as a drug, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, we're just stuck in this decades-old thought. So, right. So you've 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 kind of done a lot of sort of reading and and, and following other people's stories on Facebook. Uh, when did you kind of get to the point where it was like this is what I want to do for coal? Look, I've made my mind up. And I'm gonna take the jump. How, how does how does that happen? Um, I first had a meeting in Glasgow with Coles Consultant and um, team, um, which a good friend of mine came with me, and um, they told me that was it for Cole, and there was no good outcome now, and that the best I could hope for is um, the brain surgery. Um, they were quite 
because I'd been quite public with what I was fighting for and I'd asked them a few times for cannabis-based medicine just to try it because my kind of thought process was, well, it's a plant. I've researched the side effects. I know people it's worked for. I don't know anyone that it's killed. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we've tried all these other drugs before we go for surgery. Let's just try it. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and I was told, stop my nonsense. It's propaganda. If I continue on the road I'm going, my son will deteriorate and die. And I was to seriously consider brain surgery. So I decided, okay, I would go and meet with the surgical team in Edinburgh. Again, my friend came with me because David was offshore at the time, so he couldn't come. Um, and we went along and met the surgical team. And it was the same surgical team that had performed Cole's first surgery in Edinburgh. And amazing, lovely people. But again, they were honest. And they said to me, you know, this is the chances that your wee boys got. And none of them were good. All of the outcomes were negative. Mm. At no point did anybody say there's a chance he could have, you know, a go back to the life he had and there's a chance that he could be seizure free. There was none of that. It was there's a chance he could die. There's a good chance he could end up in a wheelchair partially sighted. Right. Um there was just all sorts of horrific things. So I left there um quite quiet actually and sat in the car and thought, nah, that's it. I can't as a parent give up on him. Yep. I can't look at my wee boy in the eye knowing that he rides a two-wheeler bike and has the life that any other six-year-old has yep. and say in 10 years' time when he's in his wheelchair, well, it was me that made that decision. I put you in there because I signed the form and allowed them to do it. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, that's when I decided that that was it. I was, I was going to full steam ahead. So I knew that trying to get epidiolics was a no-go. They wouldn't, they wouldn't um, accept coal for epidiolics because at that time it was unlicensed and to access epidiolics to the NHS, you had to not be a, a candidate for surgery. So they would rather you had brain surgery than you tried the cannabis-based medicine. And you had to have two of the rarest forms of epilepsy, which was either Dravet syndrome or Lennox-Gastrout syndrome, coal of which has none. So they said, he didn't qualify. Um, so I, I, one of the other parents was on a forum and she'd mentioned a um, clinic in Barcelona called the Calapa Clinic and said they were it's a cannabis um, specialist with doctors that know their stuff and you know have a video consultation there. So that's exactly what I did. Got Cole's medical records, sent them over by email, um, spoke to a doctor via video link. I think it was 75 euros or something. Um, and he was incredible, um, but he was quite shocked that, you know, if everything that Cole had went through and everything Cole had tried, that they wouldn't allow him to try it, um, that they would rather cut in his brain again with the risk of leaving him paralysed than allow him to try a cannabis-based medicine. They just couldn't, it just didn't make sense to them. So they said, try, and initially, before you try anything with a slightly higher THC, you need to start in a CBD product. So um, you'll try a whole plant product, which is legal. It has all, all, it's a full extract, so it's got everything in it. It has got THC in it, but it's got THC low, which was within the legal limit. I think it was 0 0.2. Just, just so, um, we're so there, for everybody that's listening, the THC would, would, would usually be the, the sort of psychoactive part of, yeah. of, of, of the plant. Uh, yeah, that's the, the, the THC is the bit that everyone's um, fighting. 
um, because they say that that's 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 what gives you the psychosis that's what gives you um, your stoned effects but actually your your CBD and your THC somebody describes it to me as a lock and a key and they go together very well and you need a wee bit of both for it to work the way it's supposed to work um, you need everything in it I mean there's hundreds of different parts of cannabis but um, they're the two kind of main parts that everybody talks about and the THC um, well, if you were taking pure THC then yeah there's a chance you're getting stoned but if you take a high CBD and a low THC, the CBD actually counteracts the psycho effect that the THC gives you. So like coals on at 9% CBD, 1% THC. Right. And at no point is coal ever stoned, has the munchies, has any effect <laughs> other than amazing oh. effects. Like he has no seizures. Um, coal actually gets more drowsy from cowpole yeah. than he would ever from his cannabis oil. Um, he takes it in the morning and goes to school. So there's there's no folk think I'm... I'm you know getting him out his face and plowing him with this oil that he sits um gouching in the couch for a couple hours but that's actually not the case um so yeah um i spoke to the the doctor at the calapa clinic and he was lovely very um knowledgeable and um, they don't actually sell um you, your product so what you have to do is they'll give you a few choices and you have to go and research them and decide what one you want and then you buy it from that company Right. separate from the clinic um, and then they ship it to you so that's what I did um, they gave me three and I chose the my CBD 10% um, because at the best reviews and I knew another couple of parents that tried it mm -hmm. um, at this time cold seizures had got so bad that after every seizure he was having what's called toy paralysis so it was like he was having a stroke now a child having a seizure doesn't usually know they're having a seizure when they wake up they're a wee bit confused and a bit emotional but they don't they don't remember the seizure Cole to this day will tell you he doesn't have seizures he's never had a seizure right. um because he doesn't know right. um in fact when I said to him about having a seizure he gets quite aggressive right he's like I don't have seizures don't say that to me I don't and I remember saying to the doctor why does he do that is that because he's he's not wanting to admit that he takes seizures and she said no it's because if somebody said to you, you ate that last chocolate in the bowl and you didn't eat the last chocolate in the bowl, you would you would be quite aggressive. Yeah. You'd be like, I never ate that. I never ate yeah. that because in your mind, you definitely didn't do it. And in his mind, he definitely didn't have a seizure because he doesn't remember. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so for Cole at that point, this was about October. I think this was October, November. Um, he started taking toy paralysis, which had a massive impact because he was coming out of a seizure completely oblivious that he'd had a seizure mm -hmm. but then his body wasn't working and his mouth wasn't working and he was drooling he couldn't talk properly his arms and legs wouldn't move and this would would go from like 10 20 minutes and then it started the longer it was going on it was lasting all day and it stopped him being able to go to school stopped me being able to go to my work um it hindered dylan because he was having to go into school late and um, people were having to pick dylan up and take him into school because I couldn't leave his brother because he was completely paralysed in bed for anything up to hours, you know. So it was huge. Um, and he was very confused and really upset. His anxiety was through the roof because everything was working fine, his brain and all that, but he just didn't know how he was going to sleep and then waking up and he couldn't move. Um, then it started happening during the day as well, and that was really unusual for Cole. So we got the MyCBD and we thought, right, we'll just give it a go and we'll try it. And we 
um, started him on it and within three days the, to the toad paralysis had gone. He stopped going numb after every seizure. His seizures were still there. They were good, they were a bit less. They went down probably by about a third. Um, but the toy paralysis had completely gone. He was walking again. I've got videos of him, you know, days after um, he was unable to go to school, walking about my living room, um, speaking properly. We was back at school, I was back at work. Everything was going great. Excuse me. And then what happened was the one of my MSPs um, stood up and spoke at First Minister's questions about coal and discussed this. And then within a couple of days, I got a phone call from Cole's consultant who said Cole's name had been picked out a hat and he was going to be one of the first five children or one of the five children in Scotland to get allowed to try epidiolics. Okay. And at that time, because I now knew a lot more about cannabis than I did when I was asking for epidiolics, and I knew epidiolics wasn't what we needed because epidiolics has only got CBD in it and Cole right. needed the whole plant. Okay. So I said to him at the time, I don't know that I actually want it anymore. And I remember kind of laughing and saying, picked out a hat when he doesn't fit the criteria. Yeah, there's more chance of me winning the lottery. Um, obviously, this was nothing to do with the fact that I'd went public and went to the papers and stuff. But anyway, I was getting offered it. Yeah. So I said to him, can I have the weekend to think about it? He was a bit taken aback because he was saying, look, I wouldn't offer this to you if I didn't think this was a good idea for Cole. Mm -hmm. So have a serious think about it. And I said, right, okay. So I spoke to um, Cole's dad and the rest of the family and they all kind of said, you know, give it a go. One, it's free. Two, it's through the NHS, so you'll be fully supported. Yeah. And three, it's kind of like a starting block because if it doesn't work, then you know what you need mm -hmm. to do after that. So I said, right, okay, let's, let's go for it. So we did. This was um, December and um, the prescription was due to come in January but it was delayed so i'd started taking coal off his my cbd round about the end of january um kind of third week in january something like that i'd been off it for a couple of weeks anyway and it was delayed we'd have him off at two weeks and then he was to start his epidiolics but it was a delay it was delayed so what actually happened was cole was riding his bike and away with his dad for the weekend um the beginning of february mm -hmm. and by the 12th of February by the time we were going back in to get the epidiolics, Cole couldn't walk and he was back having his toy paralysis episodes after every seizure. So we got him into the hospital and just as we got to the lifts, Cole took the biggest seizure he's ever taken um, right at the lifts um, at the, the, the car park at the Children's Hospital and it took him an hour to recover, which he never takes that long to recover. Um, and I had to actually we use a wheelchair to get him out to the car after the seizure because he still couldn't um, function properly because he was so bad. But I thought once we get him on this epidiolex, that will change and everything will get better. And we started it and he just continued to deteriorate. And they kept saying, increase the dose, give it another week, increase the dose, give it another week. David was away for three weeks offshore when he came back. Cole had went from riding a two-wheeler bike to being completely in a wheelchair, unable to sit up on his own drooling and at this point we were worried he couldn't swallow anymore and um, we had speech and language come out to do a, an assessment on whether he he's, he's could swallow so um that's when I decided that enough was enough and epidiolytics was not working and we were going to I was going to try and get him the help that he needed so that's when I started looking to Holland getting his medical records and going across to Holland to get 
a doctor to, to give me access to Vegalite, which is the drug that goes on just now. Right. It's also the oil that um, a good 90% of the children are, are using that, that I know of. Okay. Um, so I got it, but because Cole was still on epidiolics, I couldn't take him. I couldn't introduce one while he was on the other. And I didn't really know what I was doing with taking one off and adding in another. And I was trying to be really careful. So it got to the 22nd of March and Cole got, became unresponsive and we had to rush him into hospital. And he was admitted. Um, they did a lumbar puncture, MRI, EEG, CT scan. They did extensive bloods, urines, mm -hmm. and everything came back negative. There was, there was nothing showing up that was wrong with him. And I said to them, it's the epidiolics. I just think since he's been on that, he's just, it, if it's not making him ill, it's not making him better. Because right. since he's been on it, he's continued to deteriorate. It hasn't helped him one little bit. And um, I had him back good as he was in January. But we just had to tackle his seizures. But his toy paralysis had stopped. Um, and they were saying, look, we don't know. We've never seen anything like it. We've never seen a deterioration so fast. We've never seen um, a child like it which is the most scariest thing that your medical team that's been around your son for since he was three months old could ever say to you. Um, and they said, what do you think? And I said, well, I want him back on whole plant. That's where I think he should be. And they kind of like shrugged their shoulders and went, well, do you know what? You're his mum. You do what you think's best, but we can't support that decision. We cannot agree to that. Um, so I said to them, well, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and as long as you know that's what I'm going to do, yeah. then all I need is it doesn't affect any medical care you give them because I don't want to put them at risk. Um, and they just kind of, they never said yes, they never said no, and they didn't report me to the authorities. So right. we, it was just a kind of, they're turning a blind eye was how I felt um, at the time, whether they did or they didn't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so I went home um, on the, I think it was about the 24th of March, something like that, and decided I was given coal is bedrolite in the hospital. Epidiolex was stopped and mm -hmm. we were going for it. And both David and I did our shifts in the hospital and we gave him his oil. And after the first night, his seizures halved. And then the second night, his seizures halved again. Um, and then what happened was the hospital decided he had to have another drug because they thought he might have been in status. So what they decided to do was um, introduce a drug called phenytoin, which he's still on. But when you give phenytoin initially, they give a loading dose, which is six times the amount of what you would normally have in a day. Okay. Cole was given that. And then I couldn't give him his Vegalite because it was too strong a dose of um, phenytoin to introduce that because any CBD product affects your liver and this um, phenytoin is, is run by your liver. So it, I just couldn't risk it. So I stopped it um, and for a few days and then... We started it again and by the 1st of April Cole had his last seizure and then everything just got better and better and better and by the 11th of April Cole was back walking, he was talking um, and by the end of April he was running into school. I mean the, I did a meeting with the school the week before the Easter holidays. Mm -hmm. um, I can't even remember when they were that year, it was kind of end of March anyway and the, I said to them I don't know that Cole will ever come back to this school. And I was bawling my eyes out in the meeting and they were saying, no, we'll make changes. You know, we'll, we'll make sure it's wheelchair accessible. We'll do this. We'll get him a different chair. We'll get him. And I was saying, no, you don't understand. Cole's nothing like the wee boy that left here. He can't even lift his head. 
he can't speak. I, 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 he can't even communicate with he, with me and Amy's mum. So I can't see him ever coming back to your school. And we were all really upset. Mm -hmm. um, and then we finished up for the, the Easter holidays. All this happened to Cole. And then, boom, after the, some, the, Easter, sorry, the Easter holidays, after the Easter holidays, Cole runs back into the playground and walks through the front door of school. And they were just kind of like, what? You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were preparing for a, a wheelchair and he might never even be back. And now he's walking through the front doors. And they were crying. I was crying. Yeah. It was just amazing. Um, and since then, Cole's improved so much. He's got a lot of things that still, he's got development delays. He's got anxiety issues um, caused, I think, by PTSD because he got so sick so quickly. Yeah. And then got better so quickly. He's now lives in fear. He's going to get sick again. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he's not had. He's only had one seizure since the first of April, twenty nineteen, which was the eleventh of August, twenty nineteen. Um, because what happened was he'd been on holiday with his dad, and while he was away, the first day they got there, his dad phoned me and said his breathing went heavy, which is the first sign of a seizure for Cole. Right. And he said, "I'm a bit worried. I'm just going to put his cannabis oil up a bit." And I said, "That's fine." Then he came back and I said, did you put, did you have any other mm -hmm. episodes? No, none. And I said, right, I'm just going to take it back down because I don't think yeah. he needed that. I think it's maybe just been changing heat, the travel, all sorts. So I brought it back down. Three or four days later, Cole had a seizure. Right. And it lasted 30 seconds. It was a really mild seizure for Cole. Um, and I texted his dad the next day, excuse my language, and said, I've made an arsenic. Yeah. I thought I knew best and that's just the way I am and you know David knows that because I deal with Cole's medical situation kind of 90% of the time with David being away and I was being separated um, so I was just and I was so upset with myself because I was like why did I do that but looking back now I'm actually kind of glad in a way because I'm like well I know now that it's the cannabis that's 100% working because they kept saying it's the phenotone it's the phenotone and I was going and that's not Benetone doesn't heal your body. A couple of things, and uh, what what I certainly don't want to do here is is is, uh, is sort of speak speak for you. But the I'm thinking about the pressure that you must be under. And again, we'll get back to just sort of the, the thank God that the, the worst hour we boys had is is, is some cowpaw and. Uh, <laughs> he had he had a sore tooth the other night, and his his big teeth are coming in, and his his wee gum was sore. So, like both me and his mum asked, and he's standing in the living room as if his world's going to end because he's <laughs> probably gets that for me by the way. <laughs> and both of us are standing over a bottle of alcohol, and it's like right, yeah, I think it's is it seven and a half or is it five? You were talking about alcohol here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you're just want to get it right. So you as as his mum and under the pressure that you're under, uh, having to make these decisions, and I don't even just mean yourself as in opposed to you and his dad, but just as, as you and his dad as a parental team having to make these decisions that are that are not are we sending a re boy to bed with half a syringe more of Calpol, but <laughs> we have to make this decision that's that's going to ultimately save save his life. How do you, yeah. but how do you deal with that pressure? I mean that it, I don't know. I, I can't get my I head around what pressure you're under to to make those decisions. 
I, I'm not going to lie, it is terrifying because not only are you making a decision from your gut and from the research that you've done, but you're going against the NHS and you're going against the medical professionals that have looked after your child for, at that point, six years. And for me, it was terrifying because I was thinking, what I'm doing is illegal. I don't have a prescription for it. I've smuggled it into the country. How, if this goes wrong, I'm going to prison and I'm losing my kids. But the alternative was he was going to die. And I truly believed when he got rushed into hospital that we weren't leaving there. And if we were, I was leaving with a very different child than I went in with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember crying in the hospital thinking if there was one thing that Cole could get back, it would be his voice because I couldn't talk to him. And he's got such a, he's so funny. He's got such a great personality. He's just, he's witty as anything. Mm -hmm. And he loves to sing and he loves music. And he couldn't, he couldn't sing and he couldn't talk. And it was just heartbreaking, you know. I, I've, I've never looked at Cole as being a disabled child mm -hmm. until that, that, that week. I, I just, I just, it broke me because, you know, I had, he might have had seizures and, you know, I know he was, he's disabled and he'll always be registered disabled. Um, but you wouldn't know. I always used to say to folk, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong with Cole because he's just a typical wee boy. Yep. And he could buy and sell you twice. He's <laughs> as wide as a cloud. Um, he's just, and you know, he used to say things like, "Can I sleep in beside you um, when we're on holiday?" And, and the beds were next to each other because yep. Cole sleeps in my bed every night. But we were on holiday and we had two double beds. And he said, "Can I sleep in with you?" And I said, "No, you're in that bed with your brother." Mm -hmm. I need peace because I was just lying next to them with my phone, and I just didn't want to annoy him. And I remember him saying, "But I take seizures," you know. <laughs> And I was just yeah. like, there's such a, just <laughs> wide as anything, but um, yeah. good with it. So he'd, he'd kind of lost all that and he became this poor wee soul that he'd never been before. And it was just heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it's the hardest thing I think as a parent to go through is watching your child deteriorate and, and, and suffer. So it, that was kind of what made it easier was because David and I had done our research we wouldn't have made the decision had we not yeah. researched it within an inch of your life. Like we both agreed this was the best thing for him and this is what he needed. Um, we'd looked at other children that were on the same medication um, and we thought, right, it's helping them. They're having no side effects. I'd actually spoken to Hannah Deacon at this point. Um, I didn't speak to Danielle till later on, but there was, there was just so many parents that I had spoke to that had said, yeah, we've tried it and there's no negative. Some were having better results than others. Um, but some kids were having 200 seizures a day. You know, Cole, his, his worst was having 20. Um, and that was horrific. So we, um, yeah, not having the back, and that's still the same, you know, not having the backup from the NHS and the consultants and medical team that are around Cole is horrible because, like, just now, Cole's on Phenotone and they've changed the branding in Phenotone. So Cole was on initially a, a brand of Phenotone called Epinutin. And Epinutin went out of stock very quickly when Cole started it. So he was only on it a couple of months and his body wasn't really used to it and he wasn't, he was quite jittery on it, quite nervous. A lot of side effects from it. Um and the they then changed it and the brand into a brand called Delantin, um, because Epinutin was out of stock. And they, they warned me, they said, you know, this is a diff slightly different, um, so he might have an he might have a problem with it. 
So I said, right, okay. We changed over. I sat up for the next couple of nights, terrified he was going to take a seizure and nothing happened. In fact, he actually improved. And at the time I thought it was because he'd been on phenytone for quite a while that this it just it just got used to it. his body just got used to it. So um he was on that for like 10 months and then we went back to the um, chemist to get his prescription the other day and the phenytone had changed back from Dilantin to Epinutin. And I never thought I'd know of it because from one to the other, it didn't affect him the other way. So I just thought it would be the same yeah. back the way. Um, and within a couple of days, he started getting headaches, dizziness. We've got a kind of um, kitchen um, bar area where he sits and eats his dinner. And he was on the bar stool and he was like, I, don't, I feel like I'm falling mum on this. Right. So he had to sit down on the floor. Um, he was having headaches. He was he was just really struggling, um, over sensitive to noise, um, over anxious again. And I thought that's because that brand's changed. Yeah. I then went back to the chemist to try and change the brand back. Mm -hmm. And they have since told me that the Delantin can only be prescribed when Epinutin is out of stock. And while it's in stock, he won't get Delantin again. So even though he was fine on Delantin, yeah. and he was doing really well and he's now struggling when he's on Epinutin they won't give him Dilantin because it's unlicensed and they don't have the permission to prescribe it until the Epinutin's out of stock so we're back in the same place as we were with the cannabis two years ago yeah. it's like computer says no um, you know and I'm saying well calls this boy mm -hmm. he's a human being he's a child he's been through hell and back for the last almost eight years he is doing the best he's ever done on cannabis oil and as much as I don't like phenytone I don't really know what it's doing what it's contributing to, to the fact that these seizures are gone but I wouldn't like to risk stopping it because yeah, yeah. right now I just want coal better mm -hmm. and seizure free um, so instead of giving me the brand that he was that agreed with him they are saying well if he doesn't get better we're going to need to stop the phenytone and look at an alternative drug and I'm saying, so rather than give him the drug that was working, that kept him fine, just before we go back to school after being off for so long with lockdown, yeah. you would rather risk him going back the way and taking most seizures because you won't give him a drug because it's unlicensed. Yeah. What, what's the, I've got, I've got a, a, a million questions in my brain at the moment. <laughs> what, just while you're, you're sort of on that, when you, when you leave a sort of interaction with that, like that, sorry, what, what What's your first thought as to why these decisions are getting made? Is this just a money thing? Is this a big pharma money situation? Or I think this one is. I think the Epinutin Delantin is because Delantin's imported from Canada. Right. Um, and I think they only imported and paid for a certain amount of Delantin while Epinutin caught up because it's obviously the favoured brand and it was the one that's probably cheaper. Right. I asked them about money situation and they said absolutely not. It's because one's licensed and one isn't licensed. I don't believe that. And I've since then spoke to the team that import coals cannabis oil for me. Yep. Um, it's a local company who are amazing. Um, and they said that's not true. They could sign off on an unlicensed drug if they wanted to. They just are choosing not to. It's probably financial. So um, I, I do believe in that. I don't believe the cannabis is financial in the way that probably people think that it's too expensive to use. I think for me, and that's just my own personal opinion, is that I believe that bringing in cannabis and making it more accessible in the NHS would destroy the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, that's and the way that's, I was just seeing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, you know, 
um, I know um, people who have worked in the pharmaceutical industry who have said um, they had a drug for a problem and it had a side effect and they could have done something to remove that side effect but instead of removing the side effect they just made a second drug to eliminate the side effect from the first drug because it meant that they were getting double money and that's what the that's what the pharmaceutical industry is um, so I, I don't believe that they don't know and um, we're talking about the you know really clever people yeah. um, who work alongside um, medicine and um, make these decisions every day um, if I can research it and find out the evidence and things that I have they could yeah. um, so I, I don't believe that it's um, lack of knowledge I think it's tunnel vision I think it's um, they're scared that if they go down this route that it would destroy the pharmaceutical industry and let's not kid ourselves the pharmaceutical industry pretty much own yeah. the world yeah. No, um, yeah. And I think I think that that's 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 what I believe that it is. I, I, I believe that um, there's too many people that are um, involved in the pharmaceutical industry that are in the government. They're linked. Um, you know, it's no secret that Theresa May's husband and um, Victoria Atkins' um, husband are both um, up to their elbows in the cannabis farms down in England. Um, in fact, the UK have the biggest cannabis industry in the world bigger than the mexican drugs cartel mm -hmm. and yet we grow cannabis for a medical purpose we have licenses to grow it for medical purposes yet we can't give it to the people in the uk because we're not allowed because we don't have enough evidence but yet we will ship it to other countries and make money off it that's okay so other kids can benefit from it when it's grown in, in the uk but our kids can't it just it's just it's just insane so, um, the, I'm just one. Uh, this is a wee stupid thing, but I'm, I'm I do this thing, and I, can, I know that I'm doing it. But I, I just take these big, big, uh, deep breaths and and blow out. And I'm sitting thinking this is going to get picked up in this podcast, but it's just because <laughs> I'm like, do you know what I'm saying? I just kind of get my head around it. You're just yeah exasperated, and you're like, oh, oh, oh my god, uh, <laughs> you right. <laughs> I think you said this earlier on, uh, and I was looking at some of the sort of news articles that have been been written about the story. And right, again, obviously you correct me when I probably make mistakes here. So the cannabis oil that Cole gets now is is legal here, but you can't get it for him on the NHS. So that means that obviously there's there's ongoing fundraising stuff and we can, we can get to how much that's actually costing you, which is, again, quite unbelievable. But so ju just sort of quickly, is Cole's cannabis oil legal now? Yes. Right. So um, it's legal as long as you have a UK prescription written by a paediatric consultant that's on the specialist register. Right. Um, I managed to get a private consultant in London to write Cole a private prescription um, off the back of the evidence and his medical records. Um, it was completely agreed that I'd done the right decision. She wrote the prescription in May last year okay. and still continues to write a prescription for Cole every month. Right. But, and again, this is where the, the sort of 
the drama comes in. And again, when I was looking at some of the, I can't remember. I think it was a, I think it was a Daily Record, and again, one of the one of the sort of major newspapers, and I think it was like ex cop smuggles drugs type thing, and it's like yeah. so so dramatised, obviously. But yeah. uh, tell us a wee bit, and again, hell slap it into me for for even giggling here. It's just the the absurdity of what you're having to do. So Yara, an ex police officer, and. Yeah. And I can't think of a better word, so I'm going to use it and say smuggling. Yeah. Drug, drugs. And again, yeah. we use the word drugs loosely, right? So yeah. this ex-police officer is bringing drugs from Holland into the UK to save her son. So how how did that? How does it feel when you're coming through the security and stuff? And how how did that bit happen? It's um, so. What happened was in January, um, I was a mutual friend set myself up a meeting with the BBC disclosure team right. and they said they wanted to follow my journey um, and another family's. So that was fine. Um, and at that time, I didn't know what Cole was going to have, how sick he was going to get, if we were ever going to try cannabis. But it was more probably to do with the kind of um, bureaucracy around cannabis. Yep. Um, and they filmed me arriving in Holland. Um, I they weren't there when I flew over to meet the doctor and I get the initial prescription, but I took videos with my phone and sent it over to them. So when the documentary came out in May, I'd already got a private prescription the week before, thank goodness. But it meant that they had been filming since I had went over there in March, yeah. and they knew that I'd smuggled drugs in, and they. They, they spoke about it on the documentary um, Sam Poland was the journalist and, and she'd said to me you know you're actually admitting you've smuggled drugs into the country yeah. as much as you've done it to save your son you have actually you're admitting on camera that you've you've committed a crime and I got quite a lot of backlash from it as you say yeah. I got the headlines the following day after the documentary went live um, I got every headline from every newspaper was ex-cop smuggles drugs for son um, and a lot of people contacted me or slandered me on the post saying, what an idiot, why did you go public, why would you do that? Um, and I said, you know, I wanted to prove that the system's wrong. Yep. And, you know, taking somebody like me, who's a police officer for 10 years, who had a negative look on cannabis, who's now given it to her son and risking jail time and social work involvement, it was to show that this is the extremes that people are going to to, to save their children and that the, the system's completely wrong. If that's that system that's in place, it's meant to save your children, is actually making parents risk their self and their kids to go to different countries to smuggle drugs back. It's just so beyond crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah. Um, so that's why I wanted to go public with it. And um, yeah, I got a lot of backlash I got the police came to my door um, they interviewed me and said that even though they didn't know if I'd committed any crimes mm -hmm. they were looking at it from a child protection issue yeah. and they went through the kind of protocols they wrote to Cole's school they wrote to the doctors they wrote to the consultant that writes the prescription for Cole and they all had to um, write to see whether what I did was in the best interest of my child um, and then the investigation there was no charges brought but the investigation was dropped um, and I got a phone call on Cole's birthday um, last year and they told me that was it there would be no 
other cases case to answer and that was fine so that was really good but um yeah so i that's where the ex-cop drug smuggler comes from <laughs> so, right so uh br bringing it up to where you are at the minute so it's you're now getting the 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 cannabis oil uh, legally prescribed yep but because you can't access it on the nhs which would be which i know and again you, you said it yourself we've got this otherwise fantastic uh, free at point of use service but it's not covering this so yeah. i know you've i've started now so i'll finish and again if i'm certain that you've made it public about how much this is actually costing per month now so yeah. what what is that figure um it's it was over a thousand and it's now going up to 1400 a month right okay so you're talking about like two mortgages or just you're yeah. talking it's 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 an astronomical amount that you're having to find yeah. every month to cool. keep your voice safe Cole, Cole grows and he puts weight on and every time he grows and he puts weight on the dose has to go up. I mean he's still on a really tiny amount. He only gets 1.1 mils twice a day um, but one bottle of cannabis oil that's just over £200 only has 10 mils in it which is one dose of cowpaw. Yep. So one dose of cowpaw is what's in a full bowl and that lasts Cole I think four days. So I've got to make sure he's got enough bottles to last the whole month and he's also now got an additional medicine um, called Bedica, which is a pure THC. And that's that if his seizures kick in or he gets um, sick again with him taking off this phenotone, mm -hmm. I've got the option to add in a touch of THC if need right. be. Call. He's never needed that yet. Um, the bed Bedrolite, which is nine to one ratio, has kept cold stable. And you know and we're, we're so glad of that. But um, if they start messing about with other medication, um, then it, it could be that we might need to introduce that. And again, that will be something that his private consultant will have to help me with because the NHS won't take anything to do with it. It's uh, the if if people like if I was saying I think people like wee snippets of things, uh, and like if I was telling your story of there's this this lady whose son has this form of epilepsy. If you were to give me, and I know you have done earlier on, but if we can just put this in a, in a sort of snippet, the worst case that, or the, the worst sort of, Cole was like A, and mm -hmm. we introduced cannabis oil, and he's now like B. Does that make sense? As in, yeah. what, how would you put that in a wee snippet for us? Like, um, Cole... Before coal, before cannabis oil, coal was riding a two-wheeler bike, right. um, like in like a typical six-year-old boy, yeah. um, and got so sick that he ended up in a wheelchair, unable to speak, unable to walk, unable to swallow, and almost died in hospital. And then post cannabis oil, within two weeks, was back riding his two-wheeler bike, singing, the Lion King. <laughs> in in two weeks. Two weeks. That's. I do, I want people, I, and again, see when I use the word believe, I, I, that, that, that puts doubt on it, that, well, I believe it, but I know that other people wouldn't, have, but it's a fact, it's a well-documented fact on, well, the national press, but also on your social media feeds, and if people really wanted to sort of 
I don't even know how they would access this, but it's there in, in, in your wee boy's medical files that this is, there's nothing to believe here or no believe. Well, it's an that's what I always say. Yeah, my, my Facebook posts that are on my Facebook yeah. are public about coal. Yeah. And also coal's, I've got a separate page for coal stuff that's called Coal's Fund for Sick Kids. And there's videos on there and they are done in real time. So it's like, this is what he was like on the 28th of March. And, you know, I've got a, a really powerful video of coal in hospital. Um, I think it's about the, I don't even know, maybe the first or second day we were in hospital and he was in a wheelchair and he, I was trying to get him to say, I love you, mummy. Yep. And he can't talk. And he's really struggling to say, I love you, mummy. And then the second clip that I show is... I think it's three weeks later and he's riding his bike he's actually within the school grounds his dad had took him there without his helmet on and I went and picked him up and he had his bike and um he was going look at this me going up and down the hill and I'm so cautious like I'd wrap my boys up in cotton wool so I'm going oh be careful be careful but I took a video of him because I wanted to post on social media look at the difference because people were you know breaking their heart my family and friends my neighbours were coming around and they were just stunned because they'd never seen anything like it you know Cole was was this really active wee boy and then all of a sudden they were coming around and he couldn't even move he was propped up in the couch drooling he had to wear a bib like a baby and then within a couple of weeks he was back riding his bike and it was it was like a miracle and they were they were like how can they look at that how can they see that and not want to do something about it and it, you know I've said a million times before, like Cole's consultant sat in the hospital when he was at his worst and he was about to go on holiday and he sat with his head in his hands and he looked genuinely devastated because uh -huh. he'd been in Cole's life for, for years, you know, he'd been in his life for six years and he's, he, he, you know, I care a lot about Cole's consultant and his medical team. I've got so much respect for them and he, he literally looked devastated. Mm -hmm. So when he went away on holiday that day, another consultant stepped in. So they seen Cole progress getting better and they kept saying well this is amazing this is, I've never seen anything like it and then fast forward three weeks and we come back in for a review appointment to Cole's consultant who'd seen him at his worst and then not seen him again this was the first time he'd seen him and Cole literally skipped into the room hyper as anything back to being Cole and his consultant didn't really bother he just kind of went oh well you gave us a bit of a fright and I was kind of like I thought he would go, wow, yeah. tell me more about this oil, what's going on, I want to speak to the person that prescribes it, I need to know more about this, this is incredible. And he just truly believed that this was phenotone and that it was nothing to do with the cannabis. And I was so stunned because I was like, oh, phenotone doesn't heal you. Yeah. Right? Cannabis is known to heal the body. Mm -hmm. right? It's scientifically proven. Phenotone is known to be toxic to the body and it's scientifically proven. In fact, it comes with all sorts of warnings of liver disease, heart disease, gum disease, um, serious problems, headaches, dizziness, um, anxiety, you name it. It's got a warning attached to it, um, none of which cannabis does. Um, and I kept looking at it and going, there's, there, there's something here, there's something missing here. Like, I don't understand how you can't want to know more about it. Like, when my cousin took her daughter to America and brought her back and she was great, they all went, wow, tell me more about it. Let's learn about it. Let's get this surgery available in the UK. I thought that was what I was going to get when I finally proved that I'd got Cole better. They told me, that's it for Cole. He's never getting better. He's going to just deteriorate and die or he's going to need brain surgery. And they had no option for me, nothing. 
they were giving me nothing in March when I did this. So it's not like the options they were giving me were better. There was nothing. They were said, right, we keys, we don't know. And then I got them better. Yeah. And all I get is, yeah, you gave us a fight. And, and I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I never will. I, I, I don't know whether that's uh, this societal, just this feeling or just this belief that we've got. To me, that's the better case scenario with us because the other option there would be that as a money thing and it's a big business thing and it's, do you know, and, that, and that's two bad scenarios I'm giving you there, but the, the, the better one to me is, is that maybe, maybe with more education and more examples like yourself and Cole, that that sort of, the pendulum will sort of swing back round. So that's, that's not a very good scenario on its own, but the even worse one is, is that people are just shutting down these sort of professionals in all walks of life, I guess, regarding healthcare and stuff are just shutting down because for more sort of devious uh, reasons. And again, you feel horrible saying that about people that are out there saving other people's lives and every day, do you know what I mean? It's not about being nasty to these people. I just think it might be such a, just a huge big umbrella over this that there's too much money in big pharma, there's too much money. In, the story you told earlier on is quite absurd. I mean, it's like, right, this, this medicine gives you a side effect. We can either take out the bit that takes that away, or do you know what, guys? We'll make another medicine and make millions on this to deal with that side effect. Mm -hmm. But that's okay because it's no a drug. It's not cannabis. It's not... It's, it's, yeah. it's what these social... It's not a drug. Aye, it's what yeah. these socially acceptable drugs are. Uh, couple of things i'd love to know what you after having all this experience would like the sort of what you would want the sort of utopia to be so where and and again it could be a year it could be five years it could be 50 years i don't know but what would you like the 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 final sort of outcome to to look like and then we need to make sure that there's we we, we don't sign off without telling people about uh the social media uh, channels that you've got and uh, the ongoing fundraising and stuff because just with all the interviews and stuff that you do I think it's a brilliant opportunity to get the wee guys story out there and and, and just help out anyway that people people can maybe hope, hope to help you so uh, aye so where, where what, what what's your final aim oh, um, so just your wee boy and again it's perfectly understandable if it is or do you are you campaigning to get this message out to everybody, or what, what? For, for me right now, um, I'm campaigning for for coal and fighting yeah. for coal because a lot of the parents are in England and they're under NHS England, so they have got mm -hmm. a group down there called End Your Pain. Um, I went down to England to kind of see what could be done and was sent back up with my tail between my legs, telling me that I was under NHS Scotland and they were taking out, they were going to do a review down there for all the other parents, but I would be excluded because I wasn't in NHS England. And after spending hundreds of pounds of my own money to go down there and see Matt Hancock, that really annoyed me. And from that day forward, I went, well, I'll just speak to my own government and my own NHS because I, I don't see the point in going down to England when they keep saying, no, you're part of NHS Scotland, even though we're all supposed to be under one big umbrella, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, so, um, my utopia is 
there's a good friend of mine, um, Bernie McCready, and um, she runs MCRS, which is medicinal medical no, medicinal cannabis reform Scotland. Um, and when I when I speak to her, she kind of opens my eyes because I was always like, oh, I don't know if we should legalise it completely. I don't know this and I don't know that, and I'm fighting for children. And actually, the way she describes it isn't just just about cannabis. It's about my utopia would be that you go to the doctor and they give you a choice. And this right. is what they're fighting for. It's for, for everyone to have their own choice. Right. And that's what makes sense to me. I worked in a doctor's surgery for five years and one of my biggest bugbears was children coming in struggling with stress and anxiety with exams and leaving with antidepressants. And it yep. used to gut me because I was thinking they don't even know half the time what day of the week it is and they're giving them these pills that are going to affect them for the rest of their life. They're not, leaving, they're not reading the small print on that, that leaflet. They're just popping them and thinking because the doctors gave them that it's okay yeah. so for me it would be the right to choose you would go to your doctor and you would say do you want tablets do you want counseling do you want some kind of alternative therapy yeah. do you want massage do you want yeah. uh, reiki do yeah. you want cannabis oil do you want um a million any alternative therapies that's not just pharmaceutical based that's that would be that would be the, the for me and it would be for everybody um adults as well adults um scary for children because we're giving our kids cannabis oil partly when it's illegal and then we're having to pay for it when it's when it's legal yeah. um adults up until very recently didn't even have the choice for it to be illegal mm -hmm. they were committing crimes anytime they want now there's people who are using cannabis medically um to help pain yeah. and can't actually cope with the pain without using it, but then can't go to their work because yeah. they would be under the influence of drugs. Yeah. You know, so I want it for everybody. I think it's it's a medicine that should be more commonly used than paracetamol. Paracetamol is more dangerous. More people have died from pharmaceutical drugs than anyone has ever from cannabis. That, as far as I'm aware, no one's ever as died a, as a standalone, from cannabis use. Yeah, as a standalone drug, uh, nobody has ever died from cannabis consumption. Yeah, uh, and and you, you can't buy two packets of paracetamol from the shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's legal. <laughs> it's legal and it's thirty pence. You know, it's yeah. it's just insane. Right. Uh, okay. So the we'll, we'll leave your social media. Uh, names and groups and stuff to the very end so that people have people have got them uh i'm i'm aware that i don't want to keep you all night as well but how <laughs> what's happening with your uh with your fundraising and what's the sort of main things you can tell us about that i guess or where can you direct people or um so just now all the fundraising is done through gofundme um if you go into gofundme and search coles medicine you'll find it um and if you don't find it on there, if you look up my name or Cole's Fund for Sick Kids on Facebook, mm -hmm. the links and stuff are always on the Facebook pages anyway. Um, just now, because of lockdown, the, the, we had a band night organising Hamilton that had to get cancelled. We had a firewalk that was supposed to be happening. We're trying to reschedule the firewalk for November. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a kind of wait and see because we don't know where we're going to be in November just because of the, the current situation. So right now, all I can do is online fundraising yeah. um, and donations. Um, I set up Cole's own bank account um, last week so people could 
send um, money and set up standing orders into his bank account. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a good way of me making money. But up and apart from that, that's it. I've just got to rely heavily on the generosity of friends, family and complete strangers. Um, there's been people that have sent phenomenal amounts of money that I have never met. Um, and, you know, it just it's just incredible. Um, I just wish the government and the NHS would step up and so I didn't need to run about in my begging bowl. I mean, people are good. I think with everything that's been going on uh, lately and just everything's always... We're, we're, we're all, the news is just filled with the bad things that people do in the world but yeah there's there's so many good people out there as you say that are oh, there is. seven donations that have never even met you or call and you know it's what what to do is is when we sign off either later tonight or tomorrow morning uh message me so that i've got the actual links and I'll yeah, make I'll sure they, they, they go up when the when the episode goes out uh okay I always put people on the spot at the end of these podcasts, and but I'm sure you'll be you, you'll have something to say. I'm sure of it. Uh, <laughs> how how do you, what's the last message you want to give? I guess just about this full thing in general. Just before we we, we sign off, is there anything else you want to sort of say that just to round it off? Um, I hope that somebody with the ability to make a difference grows a backbone and actually stands up for the kids and makes it available through the NHS. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, Lisa, uh, right, fantastic. So as I say, when we, uh, I think this, we're recording this on Thursday night, the 23rd, it will probably go out uh, the beginning of the next week. Uh, so, what to do is send me those details. We'll, we'll put them up on the link uh, when people download the the podcast. And uh, yeah, just keep just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a you're doing a fantastic job. It's just Thank under so under just circumstances that I just can't even get my head around. You're, no, you're really you're a really really <laughs> special person. You're doing an amazing you. job. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I hope your wee boy's teeth get better. <laughs> well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him, but yeah, thank you. Right, okay, Lisa, take care of yourself. All right. And all take the best. Care. Bye. Well. All right, take care. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. 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 Bye.